second week of Advent. Last week, we took a look at hope. We saw a man named Simeon who faithfully waited in hope for the arrival of the promised Savior of the world. This week, we turn our attention to the second theme of Advent, which is peace. Too often, for too many Christmases, brings anything but peace. Getting the shopping done, putting up the tree, decorating the house, planning for Christmas dinner, in addition to other family issues that can add pressure and stress that pushes peace to the edge. And we see wars, injustices, and brokenness all around us and continuing in the Middle East today. Much of the Bible is written about people who found themselves in the midst of conflict and struggle as well. We read of the people of God who were under siege by surrounding nations, exiled to foreign countries, or enslaved to powerful empires. The Old Testament writers often cried out for God to bring them peace. At Advent, our attention turns to a field outside of Bethlehem, where a group of shepherds are watching their flocks of sheep during the night. These particular shepherds were of a priestly lineage, watching over the very lambs that would be used and sacrificed at Passover. An angelic host appeared to them, and their first response was absolute terror. They were fearful because the glory of the Lord shone around them in the dead of night. It must have been overwhelming and an incredible experience. But look at the first words that are spoken to them. Do not be afraid. Those first words spoken by the angels over the shepherds were prophetically significant it assures us that God's promises of peace 
can be experienced in the midst of a chaotic world that we live in. It is a peace that comes from the one who is faithful to walk with us, even through the most difficult of situations and times. God's promise of peace through Jesus Christ is available to each of us today and it remains unbroken.
Amen. Aren't you glad for the peace of God? So glad for the peace of God. We talked about last week how most of us understand the pain of broken promises. Hold up your hand if you understand the pain of a broken promise. People that don't keep their word. And a reminder that God's promises remain unbroken. It's up to you and I to enter into those, but his promises remain unbroken. Peace seems scarce in this world that we live in. In fact, if there ever was a time for us to follow the biblical injunctive to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it's now. I, I trust that all of you are praying for God's um, work to be done in the Middle East and God's protection for the nation of Israel and for peace to come to that part of the world. One of my favorite songs um, at Christmas time is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I like that because it's, it, to me it's more authentic because it talks about the struggle and pain that's in our world and then talks about how that gets resolved. It was written by um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and he was a widow, had six children and most of you know the story of his wife's dress catching on fire and that he tries to put the fire out and he, he's burned and she's burned and she dies. And Longfellow, who was a prolific writer and well-known, puts his pen down and stops writing at all as he mourns in depression for about a two-year period. One of his sons goes off to war that he's opposed to. And on Christmas Day, two years later, he said he heard the Christmas bells ringing in Cambridge and the singing of the song, peace, the words peace on earth. And he observed the world full of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness and optimism of that message. And so he's caught in his own depression, the ugliness and darkness of the world. And I want to read to you some of the lyrics, not of the song, but of the original poem that Longfellow wrote. Some of it is the same, but they don't include all the stanzas. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a chant sublime of a voice that chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Referring to the Civil War. It was as if in an earthquake rent, the hearthstones of a continent had made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song 
of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I want to stop at that moment to talk about the pain and suffering there is in our world. The Global Peace Index has produced conflict trends and their key findings in 2023. Last year saw a shift in global distribution of violence. Major conflicts in the Middle East, Northern Africa region and South Asia declined while conflicts in Sub-Saharan Africa, Europe and Asia Pacific intensified. Excluding the violence in Ukraine, there's been an increase in the level of conflict since 2019. Conflict-related deaths rose by 45% in the year prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Increased by 45% with over 100,000 total deaths being recorded in 2021. Violence increased significantly in Mali, Ethiopia, Myanmar, Ukraine, making 2022 the deadliest year for armed conflict since the 1994 Rwanda genocide. Increased geopolitical competition has fueled conflict in many countries. Both great and middle powers are competing for influence in states or regions by supporting competing interests through troops and weapons. Drones have begun to play a major part in many conflicts with military and commercial drones utilized in large numbers in Ukraine, Ethiopia, and Myanmar, the total number of drone attacks increased by 40% in 2022. And the number of different groups using drones to attack has increased by 24%. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. The Global Peace Index reports reveal a concerning surge in global conflicts in pre-existing tensions predating even the significant invasion of Ukraine. Touted as the most significant conflict in our world since World War II, a stark increase in conflict-related deaths had already been observed prior to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, overturning a five-year decline since the peak of the Syrian civil war in 2014. Notably, battle deaths spiked by 45% between 2020 and 21, predominantly in the Asia-Pacific and Sub-Saharan regions. As we look to the horizon, potential challenges such as climate change, economic disparity, political instability could arise in the future, potentially affecting regions globally. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. So then we come to church where we should all be born again, spirit-filled and loving one another. And I said to one of our staff this morning in my office, I'm just tired of Christians fighting. I'm tired of tensions between believers that should not exist. If we are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, we should be marked by forgiving and loving and linking arms again. But instead, we're marked by, by nipping and biting and criticizing, even sometimes in our own fellowship. I get so tired of the conflict and in despair some mornings I bow my head and say, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But in that moment, as Longfellow stood in the window listening to the bells peal in Cambridge, he didn't stop with that stanza because there was an awakening in his spirit that brought him out of his depression as he wrote, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, good will toward men. His 
promise remains unbroken. Let, let every man be a liar, but God be true. He is the giver of peace. He is the giver of peace, and his promise remains unbroken. So we're going to visit the shepherds who received that revelation from the angelic host. And I hope to, as I've tried to do the last several years, clarify some myths in the Christmas story. Uh, One of those that I won't be talking about this morning is that Santa did not kneel at the manger. And the wise men weren't at the stable. You didn't know that? Well, let me show you. Now, do I, does it bother me that the nativity set has all that? No, because the nativity set is not intended to be a chronology, but a capturing of all the events. As long as you understand that, I'm fine with that. But here's the first truth that I think arises out of looking at the shepherds on that Judean hillside as they receive this incredible revelation. And it's simply this, we often fear the very thing that will bring us peace. We often fear the very thing that will bring us peace. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. Now remember, it says an angel of the Lord appeared. There was one angel that first appeared and that one angel terrified them. Imagine if God had allowed that entire angelic host to appear first, we would have a story of dead shepherds. Heart attacks. They were terrified. What I find interesting is the conclusion that is common in the Christmas story that shepherds were societal outcasts and it's been shared by scholars repeated over and over again. Farrar said in 1893, shepherds at this time were despised class. Strack and Bilbeck said the shepherds were despised people. Stein in 92, in general, shepherds were dishonest, unclean. According to the standards of the law, they represent outcasts and sinners for whom Jesus came. Butler in 2000 said, shepherding has changed from a family business to David's time to a despised occupation. And Utley said in uh, 2004, the rabbis considered them to be religious outcasts and their testimony was not admissible in court. So we've continued the story without doing any research. I began to think about that. Was it true that they were societal outcasts that nobody would listen to? And and it makes a great Christmas contrast, doesn't it? To say that the kings came, the wise men came, and he also came to the outcasts, except it's not true. Think about how the Bible describes in Luke 21, 18, all who heard the shepherds were amazed at what they said. They weren't amazed that the shepherds were telling them. They were amazed at what the shepherds had to say. They were a believable class. Abraham, Moses, and David were all shepherds, the giants of Israel. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, not, not an outcast, not a reject. Genesis 49, 24 says, yet his bow remained steady, his strong arms were made agile by the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, not I'm the good outcast, but I'm the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. And pastors are called to shepherd the flock of God. So who were these shepherds really? Some of you have heard me talk about this, but I want to add some information to it. It was at Midgal, Migdal Elder, 
that priestly shepherds oversaw the birth of lambs to be offered up as sacrifice in the temple. These were qualified priests whose job was to oversee the birth of the sheep that would be used in the sacrifices. I could go on with evidence as to where it was located and shepherds that couldn't be near a city, but this was a unique location just outside of Bethlehem that demands another look. They carefully inspected them. I just get blessed by this every year. They carefully inspected the lambs and if they were acceptable as a sacrifice, they wrapped them in claws and then laid them in the manger to protect and calm them while setting them apart from the other lambs. The Mishnah says that the Messiah would be revealed from Migdal Elder. It was in, or Eater, Migdal Eater, which translates as Tower of the Flock. It was an actual tower that stood just outside of town within the temple priest's fields. It was a lookout tower, you might say, so it was a priest's job to stay at Migdal Eater all night. So that with the tower being so tall, the shepherd priest was literally watching over the flocks by night. While other shepherds were in the ground, are on the ground, also keeping watch. I mean, for years I wondered, why was it a sign that a babe wrapped in claws and laid in a manger would be a sign to the shepherds? Oh, it's because year after year after year, these priestly shepherds would watch over these lambs that would be offered up as sacrifice in the temple. They had to be spotless lambs and they would wrap them. Listen, they would wrap them to protect them in claws and lay them in a manger until they were calm and ready to be released. What do you think it meant to them when the angel said, you will find a babe wrapped in claws lying in a manger. They're going to think, we're going to see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. These were not societal outcasts. They were priests of the Most High God doing service to the people of God to oversee sacrifices in the temple. And in that economy, God decided to say to those who are watching over the sacrifice, I am bringing peace on earth that they had hope for all of their lives peace on earth goodwill toward men now I understand why they would have been terrified scripture says don't be afraid and I get that I would have been afraid as well and so would have you to have an angel appear and then a heavenly army appear but the common refrain of scripture would God manifest himself to mankind is what? Don't be afraid. Yes, you are to fear God, but God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid is the refrain that is sounded over and over and over in the New Testament. So maybe they shouldn't have been afraid. Maybe they should have been hoping and expectant that God would manifest himself. So my question for you is why do we fear the very thing that we need? Why do we fear the manifestation of God? 
Well, John chapter three says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world and men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Robert Murray said, a motivational speaker, we fear the things we want the most. Let me just tell you a little bit of the fears I've heard over the years. (laughs) I've watched as a young man who is bound by drugs and immorality comes and makes a commitment of his life to Christ and his parents are afraid when he gives up his drugs and begins going to church, he'll become a religious fanatic. They'd almost rather have him back in his sin. I've heard people say that I've shared faith with giving their lives to Jesus. Well, what am I gonna have to give up? What kind of life am I gonna have to live? Am I gonna have to be one of those religious nut jobs? We're afraid of the very thing we need. I don't wanna be one of those right-wingers. I don't wanna be one of those conservative nut jobs. I don't wanna be like you people. When you know there's no peace on earth without a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't tithe, how will I pay my bill? You're afraid of the very thing you need. Is anybody hearing me this morning? We fear the very thing we need, and even Pentecostals. We need to be careful, Pastor. We don't wanna get into worship to a point that people are rolling in the aisles. We don't wanna be those holy rollers. Would to God somebody would roll once in a while here. That there would be an overwhelming presence. Are you hearing me at all? We're afraid of the very thing that we need. Don't be afraid. The glory of God will be manifested. You don't have to be afraid. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what we don't understand. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of what we want because we don't know what it will cost and whether we'll be able to maintain it. Some people are afraid to love because of the pain that goes with that. I've been wounded and hurt and I can't love. We're bound in a world that's afraid of the very thing that we need. Can we lay that aside and see you this morning? Are you willing to say, would you be willing to risk? God, I want everything you have for me. I want you to fill me to overflowing. I want you to do whatever you want to do in me without a fear of what that might be. The shepherds remind us that sometimes we fear the very thing that we need. You don't have to be afraid of God because he brings peace. Then I want you to note in this story that God's promise of peace is defended by a heavenly armed military. God's (laughs) promise of peace is defended by a heavenly armed military. I defy you to show me in the Christmas story where angels sang. They didn't. Now, I don't care if we sing about angels singing, choirs ringing, or whatever the song. We can do all that. I don't have a problem with that, except it demeans what really happened. We picture these white robes and these smiling faces and halos and harps as they're singing peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's not what happened. A heavenly choir did not appear. A heavenly army did appear. 
How powerful were these? So powerful that when one appeared, they were terrified. At Jesus' death at the sepulcher, when two appeared, Roman soldiers trembled and fell down as dead. Can you imagine when an entire army appears to declare peace on earth? That it is a heavily, it is a heavily armed militia that is defending the declaration of peace because spiritual warfare is real. In Revelation, we see the dragon that tries to kill the man-child and a description of all the warfare that goes on that we don't see. And I'm telling you, on that day, God was saying, devil, you keep your distance. Demons, you stay out of the way. No one is touching this message. I have a message to declare to mankind and you taunted them into the Garden of Eden. You mocked me in the wilderness and today I'm sending my arms army as the heavenly host began to declare peace on earth, good will toward men. It was a declaration of power and might, not the declaration of a lullaby. It was a heavily armed militia, warriors. The heavenly army appeared in the presence of the shepherds. And so I want you to know that when God offers you his peace, it comes with the protection of his army. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them out of all of their trouble. Nobody can take away your peace unless you forfeit it. No one can take away his promise unless you abdicate your uh, place in your relationship to God. It comes defended by the army of God. They weren't singing, they were proclaiming. Here's what the Bible says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Shout now, somebody. I know it's Advent, we're supposed to be somber, but God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but share in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by, by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to write it down, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Who has abolished death and brought life and immortality and light through the gospel. For this reason I suffer, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. Come on, shout now, somebody. I said, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him unto that day. We have an army around us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that angels are his ministering spirits sent forth for those that are heirs of salvation. The army of God is rallied around you. So when you say, I don't have any peace, I can't forgive, you've forgotten who has surrounded you. The army of God is around you. The peace of God is not an empty promise. It is defended by the power of heaven on your behalf. 
We don't have to be afraid of what we need because God's promises are defended by his power. And we can trust in that. Last this morning, here's where we lose it. Living in peace requires engagement in the promise. So you don't have to fear what you need. The peace of God is defended by a heavily armed militia. And living in peace requires engagement in the promise. When the angels who had made the declaration left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, that was really cool. Let's write a book. That was really cool. Let's do a reel. Let's do a video. Let's post it on social media. See, it's one thing. Listen, it's one thing to hear the promise. It's another thing to go get the promise. Are you hearing me this morning? It's one thing to hear the promise. It's another thing to go get the promise. And they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let us go. Here is the key to peace. The key to peace is obedience to God. You cannot have peace without obedience to God. Shepherds have just witnessed an incredible supernatural declaration of God's plan for the world throughout eternity, what he has planned for mankind. And they didn't say, let us pray about it. Do you know what most Christians mean, Pastor Tim, when they say, let me pray about it? It means I have no intention of doing it. It's a delay tactic. There's a time to pray and there's a time to go. Let us go and see this thing. You see, if you want the pro- pro- God's promise of peace, you have to walk in that. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts by Christ Jesus. If it wasn't possible to let the peace of God rule, then he wouldn't have told us that. And so if you're living in turmoil and pain and frustration and you're tipped upside down and you're afraid your boat is gonna sink, don't let turmoil rule your life. Don't let discouragement or fear rule your life. Let the peace of God rule. Let us go see the promise that he has given to us. You've got to walk in that. The Bible says that the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and that you, that God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. There comes a time to go. They heard it, then they had to obey it. Let us go. (laughs) Oh, I know some of you would want to be at the house when the, when the magi, the wise men came and all of their gifts and we have elaborated that, that saying they were kings or they were, and their camels and all of the stuff that goes with that. I want to, I would want to have been in the stable at the manger when the shepherds came in. Can you imagine The Bible says, and they saw Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The fulfillment 
of their service is right in front of them. Can you imagine what is going on in their heart when they see portrayed for them in a supernatural display of God's revelation of the sacrifice that the lambs that they've been wrapping for years and saving for the sacrifice, they walk in and see a baby just the way the angel told them, wrapped in claws, and they would think, this is the Passover lamb. This is the Passover sacrifice. This is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. I can only imagine that these shepherds would have danced and shouted and sang and worshiped and rejoiced as they'd gathered in that place, celebrating God's answer to a peaceless world. And then they told the story. Let us go, let us see, and let us tell. If you want the peace of God, you know what will help you? Is to make yourself accountable by telling the story. They didn't, something happens in the life of somebody who truly meets Jesus and discovers him as the peace giver. Something happens that you don't want to keep it yourself. People who have really been touched by God have a heart desire to tell somebody about what they've experienced. He's made my life new. He's made my life new. And as I've already alluded to, as they began to tell the story, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed. Nobody said, well, you smelly lowlife, get off my porch. <laughs> I won't say what I just thought. <laughs> Had to do with politics. <laughs> Nobody said, what are you doing at my door? Nobody said, we don't believe what you have to say. They were so respected that people knew who they were. And when they told the story and how would it have gone, they would say, you know that we're the priestly shepherds in the priestly field outside of Bethlehem. You know how we wrap the Paschal lamb in claws and lay them in a manger so that you will have a sacrifice for Passover and the sacrifices in the temple. Well, there was an angel that appeared to us and said that if we went to Bethlehem, we would find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger just like the sacrificial lamb and we have found him we were there we saw him the lamb of God was in front of us wrapped in claws laying in a manger the Messiah has come and God is bringing peace on earth goodwill toward men and people believed them because people tend to believe people with conviction. See, I don't imagine they said, hey, we've been sent out by the board to invite people to church. And uh, something happened, and I, I don't expect you to believe this. Do you know why people say I don't expect you to believe this? It's because they don't really believe it either. But instead, something welled up in them that they couldn't help but tell the story. 
So I want to I want to wrap up with an illustration of that in a unique and different way. I shared this on Wednesday, but I'm telling you what, revival is breaking out among the kindergartners at at Berean Church. It is unbelievable. And I began to think about three things that have happened together. A little girl named Addison did a display for school about her church. And I shared this before, but she built the church and on top of the church, she put a helicopter pad because the church needs to have a helicopter to take the gospel all over the world. Another young man named Jotham, who happens to be related to us, watched his parents do a video and he said, I wanna do a video for kids because kids all over the world need to hear about Jesus. And he told the gospel story about the lost sheep and, the, and I'm thinking, well, that'll preach. I'm gonna have to build a message around that. And what was he saying? He was saying, we need to use all of our digital capabilities. And then Maverick, it was Maverick, right? That had the desire to do something and he hand wrote, I mean, it just made me cry. He hand wrote five, uh, 25 personal invitations to come with Maverick to church at Berean church and wanted those given to each of his classmates. So they had an invitation and God said, are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm calling you to a revival that you will leverage all of the equipment that you have. May not have a helicopter, but you have, you have tools and things that you can use to spread the gospel. Are you listening? I'm trying to tell you that your digital footprint on social media needs to be driven by men and women, boys and girls hearing about Jesus. And third, are you listening? because the church need to be empowered to rise up with a personal invite to come with me to the house of God. And that's what the shepherds were saying. We've invested our heart and life here. We've seen it. My prayers, oh God, don't let us have a tool we're not using for evangelism. Don't let us waste digital resources without telling people about Jesus. And God, would you raise up a people who will write out personal invitations and ask them to come with you to church. There's revival breaking out in kindergarten. I'd be, I'd be thrilled if it would break out here. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Because he came to give peace on earth. You may be struggling this morning with what God wants from you. Don't be afraid of the very thing you need to walk in peace. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid because his promise of peace is defended by his military army in the heavenlies. And it's our job to engage the promise. You will never have peace by hoping for it. You'll have peace by engaging it. And when you engage it, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So this morning, is there something God's asked of you that you're afraid of, that you're fearful of? Don't be afraid, engage it because he's got your back.
he's got your back. I'm not gonna ask anyone to raise their hand or respond in any way except to say, you don't have to be afraid. He's got this. Let's experience peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Let's stand together. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rose a melody sweeter than song in celestial like strains it unceasingly falls or my soul like an over contemporary and classic music. It's just stupid, stop it. It's just stupid, stop it. I love the new music, but I also love some of the old classics. And I'm just gonna tell you, every day for me isn't rosy. Every day for me isn't happy. Every day for me isn't easy. Some days I would like to quit. 
could ask my wife, I would like to quit what I'm doing and just go live in a log cabin and not have to talk to people. Sometimes people wear me out. All I'm trying to do is help a few pagans get to heaven. That's all I'm trying to do. And when I'm up to here, I walk in here and I want us to sing it a cappella. I want you to sing it from the top of your lungs. This is my go-to song. Peace, peace. And I believe the Holy Spirit's in the room right now that if you need, he's here. And you can receive what you need from him right now. So acapella, lead us in the chorus. Let's sing it from the top of your voice. I want to hear you sing this chorus. Sing it out. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down. Yes. Sweep over my spirit. Billows of love. Sing it again. Sing peace. Oh, peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. times I've sung that song and he failed to come by? Do you know how many times I've come in here broken, ready to give it up and sing that song and he hasn't lifted my load? Zero. Zero. Because his promise is unbroken. And if you will engage it, you'll experience it. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father. How many of you are glad for peace? Let me hear your hands. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Amen. God bless you. Turn and greet someone. Give someone a word of encouragement before you go. Be a blessing in Jesus' name.